everybody, welcome to the Fearlessly Authentic Podcast, episodes aimed at presenting truth in a fearlessly authentic way. My name is Jerry, and we're starting a new series called Messy Love, a series about loving your neighbor. And today we're going to start in Leviticus chapter 19. So get your Bibles, find Leviticus right there at the beginning of the Old Testament, and we're going to look at the first message in the series of Messy Love that is called Messy Love. We're going to talk about the kind of love that God calls us to share as believers with one another. If you've been in this thing called Christianity for a while, you'll know that it's not always easy to love others. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Most of you don't turn to Leviticus ever. It's not a real interesting book from a standpoint like Ephesians. Unless you're like one of those Bible geeks like me and you're like, oh, there's some real... Normally, if you read through the Bible in a year, you'll go through Leviticus, but you won't remember much of what you read, and you'll be confused about much of what you read, because it's a lot of law. If you do this, this is cool. If you don't do this, and if it's on the third day, it's okay. If it's on the fourth day, it's not okay. If you go 40 feet, it's okay. If you go 50 feet, it's not okay. That's what Leviticus usually is. But stuck in Leviticus chapter 19 is sort of an, a little passage that we're going to look at this morning as we kick off this three-part series um, on the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. It requires selflessness and it requires intentionality. It requires selflessness and intentionality. And so we're going to start in the Old Testament and then we're going to go to the Gospels over these three weeks and look how God expects us to fulfill this command today. Leviticus, if you're there, give you enough time to find it. Leviticus 19... Genesis, Exodus, Matthew, Leviticus. I want you to look at verse 15. Leviticus 19, verse 15. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So obviously the the key part in this passage is verse 18. In verse 18 it says right there, and then thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. How many people have heard that before? Right? You've been in church for like a day, you hear that, right? Well, what does that mean? The word love here, and so what, what I wanted to do is I wanted to try to take this, and you know, this is sort of a Bible study. I wanted to kind of rip this out a little bit and examine it and then put it all back together. And the word love here in the Hebrew is ahab, or if you want to say really like Hebrew, ahab. And the word implies an ardent, vehement inclination of the mind and a tenderness affection at the same time. So what the Hebrew word for love here is, not only do I got it right in my head, but I got it right in my outward part. Not only do I say I love this person, but I'm also showing the works of what I said. My mind is in coordination with my actions. When he says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, isn't it like, oh, it's a good idea to love your neighbor? He says, no, I not only believe that it's a good idea, not only do I have an ardent and vehement inclination in my mind that this is a good idea to love my neighbor as myself, but I also have the tender affection at the same time that I'm actually doing what I believe is the right thing to do. That's the disconnect in church. 
We know what we should do, but the doing of it is the hard part. Romans 7, right? That's at Romans 7. The good that I should do, I don't do. The evil that I shouldn't do, that's what I want to do. I find this war in me is just crazy. You know, at the end, I thank God that I have Jesus Christ who is able to conquer it all. But God wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves. He repeats it over and over and over again. And throughout the Old Testament, this particular word of love is used to express God's tender mercies and his unspeakable love for his people. It's to express affection in romantic human relationships. A lot of this is in the Song of Solomon. It's also the, the, the express affection in friendship that is shown. And it's in the family affection between parents and children. So this word love is all about not only do I, I, I mentally have an idea that I want to love this person, but I'm also showing it out in my actions. We get that? We get that? So this isn't like, let's talk about platitudes. This is like, okay, we're going to grasp this and then we've got to put this into action. The application that I get from this word is that love is not passive. Love isn't passive. It's not just thinking compassionate thoughts for others. It's active and it requires action. So my question is, is, is do, you, do you love others with just your thoughts or do you also love them actively by reaching out? Because he, here's what I know about a lot of you and here's what I know a lot about of me. Hurt people hurt people. People who are hurt tend to want to hurt other people. It's a natural reaction in our lives. When we're hurt, we tend to hurt others. We either adopt the unbiblical aspect of their hurt and make it sort of the function of our life, or we just get bitter and angry and we just hurt other people. And so hurt people hurt people. That's a natural tendency that has to be overcome with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because our natural tendency is to say, well, they're just like it was. It's just like it was. Oh, well, it's just going to be like this. And all these people, oh, they, they think that they're nice, but they're not really nice. And oh, well, they say this, but they don't really mean it. And it, that's the tendency to be that way. So hurt people hurt people. Now, here, here it is. Here's, here's what I think this passage is telling us. Healed people heal people. Okay? If I'm healed, and if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are positionally healed and you have the access to the Holy Spirit who can help heal your life. Healed people spend their time healing others, not hurting others. And, 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 and I heard this the other day on the radio, and it, we need to learn to fill in the gaps with people because there's gaps in relationships, right? There's gaps in our relationships with people. There's gaps, right? Like, I'm going down the street, someone cuts me off, there's now a gap in that relationship, even though I don't know that person, but there's a gap. For believers, God wants us to fill in those gaps with grace instead of with hurt. I get cut off, and the first thing I think is, that person's a jerk, right? The believer who's trying to love their neighbor as themselves. Now, I know this, seems, this, um, this you know, I wish you use driving illustrations because they're, 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 they're easy and everybody can relate to them. But, but I'm dead serious about this. When someone cuts you off, instead of saying, oh, that's a jerk, I need to fill that in with grace because what? I, I want to love my neighbor as myself. Maybe they're rushing to the hospital. I don't know. You don't know. Maybe, they're Maybe they didn't see me. Maybe that tractor trailer actually didn't see me. Maybe he just didn't see me. Maybe, he was, Maybe he's occupied. Maybe his relationship broke down. Maybe he's dealing with it. Who knows? But when you talk about this love, messy love, that's messy. Now that's messy. 
When I'm going to start to fill in the gaps with grace, and I'm going to, as a, as a healed person, I want to reach out in a way that I can heal them instead of hurting them. Now that's messy. It's so much easier and cleaner to cut them off. Come on. It's so much easier to say, I'm done with you. Boom. Even when it's tense. It's so much easier to do that. But God calls us to a messy love. Not some clean love. Not some it works out all the time. Not even a love that always turns out well from a human standpoint. I mean, you, when Christ went to the cross, that was pretty messy. And, 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 and that did not turn out in a, in, a, in a human standpoint in a well way, right? You were crucified and you're basically a, 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 a mound of flesh that was unrecognizable as a man hanging on a cross. That doesn't, that doesn't seem like that's a great way to fill in the gap. So what I'm saying is that when we see this command, and we're seeing it way back here in the book of Leviticus, where maybe some of you have never seen this here before, it's messy. Because when, here's my, here's my thought, really for the whole series, when you love people like Jesus, you get messy. But messy looks good on you. I want you to know that. When you love people like Jesus, you get messy. But messy looks good on you. Let me take apart the rest of the passage in the few minutes I have left and just kind of share some thoughts about what I think about this idea of messy love. Again, we don't like to just go to Scripture and rip a part out and not talk about it. This is kind of the end of some social laws that God is giving to the nation of Israel and intera personal interaction. And, and, and so he comes into verse 15 and he says, Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. The word unrighteousness means injustice. And so, uh, for sake of study, we're going to substitute some words to just give us an understanding. And we're not doing any injustice to the text. This is what the Hebrew definition of the word is. So, you shall do no injustice in the way that you decide a case. That's what the word judging means. Okay? So, let's pull that out. We're not judges. We're not sitting on a bench. And so, we're talking about that I should not do injustice when I'm deciding right or wrong with you. And I don't mean right or wrong in the sense of Scripture, right or wrong, but I'm talking about pass or go with me. Okay? I cannot treat you in a way that would be unjust when I'm deciding how I feel about you, how I feel about my neighbor. I, that's, what, that's what Moses here, through the Lord, is saying to the nation of Israel. And in principle, we're tracking it out and applying it to our lives. We, we can't be unjust in, in to people when we're deciding the case. We can't assume things. You all know what assume is. I'm going to tell you because we're in church, but you all know what that means. He says, you shall do no unrighteous in judgment. Now, now look how he, he further defines this, okay? He says, thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shall thou judge thy neighbor. Now we think, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'll just, I'll just let them get away with anything. But God's like, no, that's not love. Love is not letting them get away with anything, though some parents believe that's the way you parent. You've been around those parents? Have you been that parent? Come on. Right? I've been, I've been that parent when I was just tired and I just didn't care. I'll do, what I, do what you want, just don't tell your mother. You know? The idea, though, is that love does have the hard conversation. To not have the hard conversation, how is that love? I watched a video clip this week. It was, um, I, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He's a guy who does, he's an atheist, and he does um, 
magic tricks. Pendulette. Pendulette is his name. And he, he did a five-minute blog. And he said after, after one of his shows, there was a guy who came up to him and waited till he was done talking and, and handed him a Bible. And he told him, he says, I really care about your soul. And I'm kind of paraphrasing it. And I just want you to know that uh, I've, I've highlighted some verses in here. And it was, it was sort of like a Psalms, Roman, or Psalms and New Testament type thing. And, uh, and he says, I just want you to know I really care about your soul. And, and you know, this guy, Gillette, is an atheist and he's been pretty hard against Christians. But he said there was something about this guy. He said this guy was a good man. He wasn't, he wasn't rude. He wasn't mean, but he, but he used the word. He was proselytizing me. And then he sat back and he said this, and this, this blew my mind away. He said, I don't believe that there's a God. I believe that there's no heaven or hell. I don't believe that. He goes, but if I did believe that there was a heaven and a hell, how much do you have to hate a person not to share that with them? Now, this is an atheist saying that. And he says, I don't subscribe to his message, but I believe that this man believes what he's doing. And he believes in a way in which he's respectful, where he's courteous, and his compassion was real. And he said, uh, that man's a good man. But he said, how much do you have to hate a person not to share the reality that there's a heaven and hell if you really believe that there's a heaven and a hell? Now, step on your toes time. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and that Jesus is the only way, how many people this week did you share that with in your desire to not see them die and go to hell? How many people did you share that with? And if you were with people over an extended period of time and you didn't take the time to share it at all, how much do you have to hate them not to do that? Think about that. We're commanded to love our neighbor, which means that we have to tell them the truth. That's messy. That's, that's the idea that, you know what? This relationship may not go in a direction that I want it to go because they might think I'm a holy roller and I might think, oh, well, that's messy. But I have to have those hard conversations. Back to verse 15. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. This is my thought. Loving others is messy because favoritism is easy. And, and I have two quick points here. He says, thou shalt not respect the person of the poor. Favoritism can be motivated by our emotions. Like, it's easy to love the poor, in a sense. It's easy to let them get off certain requirements because we feel sorry for them. Well, you know, that, that young boy comes from a bad family, so what can you expect in his behavior? I can expect that he'll behave. But we don't do that. We give him a pass. And we call that loving. That's not loving. That's not loving. That kid gets a pass in first grade. He gets a pass in third grade. He gets a pass in sixth grade. He gets a pass in ninth grade. He gets a pass in twelfth grade. And then he, when he meets the, meets the blue lights on the road, he thinks he's going to get a pass, but he gets tasered. And now he's in the prison system. Why? Because back in first grade, someone said they loved him, but they didn't really love him. They let him have a pass. Messy love is absolutely crazy. It's, loving others is messy because favoritism is so much easier. It's so much easier just so favoritism. Well, you know, I'll make an excuse. I'll make this excuse. I'll make this excuse. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be graceful. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that your emotions sometimes lead you to choose favoritism over love. Then he goes on to say, nor honor the person of the mighty. 
Favoritism can also be motivated by our ego. We want to make the man happy. So we'll love whatever they love because it, they stroke our ego. See, what he's saying? Nor honor the person of the mighty. We see it all the time. In church world, don't we see it all the time? We see it in the business world. We see it all over the place. Someone of importance who can stroke their ego is almost given a free pass. But the Bible says you shall do no injustice or no unrighteousness in judgment when I decide a case. I can't, to, to let them have a pass or to let them get away with something is to actually do injustice to them. That's not loving them. So then uh, the writer says here, but in righteousness, and, and here he's saying, as a, as a judge shalt thou judge thy neighbor. You shall act as a judge. You shall decide controversy, shall judge means. It means to execute judgment. When you love people like Jesus, you get messy. But messy looks good on you. You know, for that whole ego thing, you can go to James chapter 2. We're not going to do that this morning, but you can go to James chapter 2 and look about what favoritism does. But, so loving others is messy because favoritism is easy, okay? Negative, negative, negative. Here's another thing why loving others is messy. Number two, loving others is messy because protecting is difficult. Protecting is... Look at verse 16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people... Neither shall thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Why is this difficult? Because protecting is, because protecting is difficult. That's why it makes it messy. He says, I shouldn't go up and down as a talebearer. So what I have to see here is that if I'm going to love you, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, or love thy neighbor as thyself, as the Scripture says, then the messy part of it is that I'm called to protect you. And protecting you is difficult. Right? Isn't Protecting others is difficult. It's easier to just be a talebearer. What's talebearer? Well, that means to be slander, gossip. You see, protecting involves my conversation. It involves the words that I say about somebody else. I am, I am called, if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, I am called to protect your reputation if I love you. I am called to help you fill in the gap with grace when you want to cut them down at the trunk. Otherwise, I'm participating in this thing called tailbearing. Proverbs 11, verse 31 says, A tailbearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. That doesn't mean covers sin. It just means it covers things that can't be told as fact or has nothing to do with me or the other people in the conversation. It's anything because I am called to love my neighbor as myself. It doesn't mean I have to, 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 to agree with everything because... We just saw that I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to act as a judge. We're supposed to hold each other accountable in our relationships. But when, when things, go, when things are, are, are crazy, I don't go and I don't go and share that with someone else who has nothing to do with the problem in order to gain them on my side. Because I'm always going to present it in a way that makes me look awesome. And then I'm not protecting my neighbor, I'm protecting me. So, tail, or, or protecting involves my conversation. Proverbs 18, verse 8, the words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. Now, honestly, honestly in church, how many people have been affected by talebearing in church and it's, it's still, still there? Come on, right? You felt someone say something about you, it's gotten back to you, and at times you still have to say, I forgave them, I forgave, right? You still have to say that. Why? Because those things don't go away. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. That is a lie. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but I'll get over it. You call me a name, and I'll never forget it. You trash my reputation, and I will never forget it. 
Thanks for listening today to part one of the episode, Messy Love, in the series, Messy Love. If you were encouraged by what you heard today, we'd love for you to share a link to our podcast on your social media, or better yet, subscribe and never miss an episode. Check back soon for part two of Messy Love, right here on Fearlessly Authentic.